0: Traveling the world, searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Welcome to
1: the International Equine Network Report, equestrians. Glad to have you aboard with us today. We are being sponsored today by Delray Equestrian Center, home of all your equine needs. Palm Beach Downs Thoroughbred Training Facility, home of leading American trainer Todd Pletcher, and from Sunshine Meadows Equestrian Village, home of the Florida Atlantic University Owls, where past, present, and future champions are made. And we're going to jump in here today real quick uh, and start talking a little Thoroughbred talk here. Um, early Triple Crown nominations are due on January 29th. Um, it's getting uh, getting that time of year. You're going to have to commit uh, your horses to um, you know the Triple Crown season and the, the summer season. It's getting ready to come up. A lot of nominations are closing out. So you know, stay tuned to us for um, more information on each nominations that are coming out. But um, this is for the Triple Crown uh, uh, series that comes up. A $600 payment is due on January 29th for each horse to be eligible for the Triple Crown races uh, as far as the Triple Crown um, rules and regulations go. Go to www.thetriplecrown.com for more information. So we're getting excited about that. That means the Derby time is coming around. And 29th is a big day for us here in the thoroughbred industry. Um, on the 29th from Oaklawn Park, we have the Southwest Stakes. Um, that's coming up uh, it's going to be a pretty good field here that we have uh, in Oakland. Uh, I was surprised to see uh, some new new faces into into the uh, uh, how they get their uh, journey. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's a twelve horse field, and as you remember, in the last uh, few um, uh, segments that we've had, we talked about um, uh, the fields being quite small. And now they seem to like uh, averaged out and, uh, you know, they're going to be around, you know, a 12-horse field. Um, One of the horses in here uh, uh, that I like is D. Wayne Lucas has Ignis in there. Uh, He's a nice three-year-old Colt. Uh, I think he can handle it. He's being trained by one of the best trainers to ever hit the backside of a racetrack. And um, I think he's going to be right there. Um, And then depending on how things go, in the court system, uh, Bob Baffert has um, shipped um, New Grange out from California. Uh, he's the number ten horse um, in the Southwest Stakes on on uh, Saturday, and then uh, it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, th- this field is wide open. Um, you know, I just don't uh, uh, see any real standout favorite in this race today uh, or on the 29th. At Oaklawn Park, it's a grade three southwest. It's $750,000 going a mile in the 16th. So they're going to be stretching it out a little bit with the see just what kind of horses we have that, that are going to be there. Um, then after, after the 29th, uh, we have the Holy Bull stage from Gulfstream Park. And then we have, uh, coming up also the Robert E, uh, Robert D. Lewis from Santa Anita on the 5th. Uh, we had the Sam Davis from Tampa Bay Downs on the 5th. And uh, so we're right in the heart of the Derby season on how they get there and the journey has already started. And we, we're kind of excited about to see who's going to win, what, and where, and uh, how fast, the, you know, uh, they're going to go. Uh, if they come out of it solid, we're going to see a lot of good things, uh, you know, in the next few weeks, especially starting this weekend. Now, uh this weekend we have um at Gulfstream Park, uh an interesting uh weekend. It's this loaded with all kinds of uh uh different things um uh that that are uh available for the horse racing industry. Um you talk about a lot of money. Uh it's open wide open um here at uh, Gulfstream and it's gonna be exciting to see some of these races. Um we have uh uh several good races leading up to the to the main event at 5:34 uh, at in the afternoon. Uh so it's going to be a pretty good pretty good day if you like to go to um you know watch them at Gulfstream Park in Hollandale Beach, Florida or you can come to org and watch them live on our, on our uh, internet site. Um the first race we're going to talk about is race number 8 it's the inside information uh, grade two post time is 3:03 p.m. Eastern time, and it's going seven furlongs. Um, this, this is a great race. It's a two hundred thousand dollar purse, and there's a lot of good horses in this race. Uh, and again, uh, there are several standouts in the race that that I like. And uh, one of them, and again, I don't want to seem biased by touting, uh, uh Todd Pletcher's horses because he trains his horses at. Um, at uh, Palm Beach Downs, one of our facilities that, that, that are sponsoring us today and, and, and throughout the year. Uh, we have A.G. Indy with uh, Louis Saez on. Uh, he's at five to one. He's coming out of two posts. And uh, he looks like to be uh, a tremendous uh, um, horse in this race. Uh, I'm telling you, you know, you, you don't see many fillies like this horse. This horse uh, can take it um, from gate to wire and that's what uh, Todd's hoping to do. Uh, all of his horses seem to be uh, going pretty good, um, you know, for, and seven furlongs to a mile. He's got them tuned in and, and tightened up and ready to go. And that's um, AG Indy uh, with Louis Saez in it. Uh, post time is 3.03 p.m. Eastern time, and that's the $200,000 inside information grade two stakes uh, from Gulfstream Park. And uh, that will be a great race to watch. Then the next race that we're looking at uh, is we're looking at uh, race number nine from Gulfstream Park Saturday. It's the TAA Pegasus World Cup Philly and Turf Invitational Stakes. And when they say Invitational, that means these horses are are brought, brought in by Invite. And uh, they try to get the best horses that they can find in the country, and they invite them uh, to, to the races here. It's a $500,000 for four, uh, for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up, going a mile and 16th on the turf. Um, this is really a great race. Uh, Todd Fletcher, again, has uh, Sweet Molina um, in there with Louie Saez uh, uh, aboard. Uh, Louie looks like he's going to have a great day Saturday uh, with the mounts that he has. Um, we have um, Billy Mott. Uh, has Wanka Wanka Wanka, uh, on here from Ireland, a nice horse. Uh, and then the, the, uh, the one horse that I think is going to play a big upset role in this, in this, uh, race is going to be two horses that I actually picked up. One is from Roger Atfield. It's called Lady Spikesphere, uh, with, uh, Alvarado in the irons coming out of the three hole. This horse is a solid horse. And it can get to mile on the 16th with no problem at all. Um, should be on the lead and um, should, should be able to take this. And then the one horse that's going to be coming off the pace is called In a Hurry. It's uh, got uh, Costellano in the irons and it's Suge McGay he trained. And Suge is noted for his uh, training abilities to bring a horse home down the stretch. Um, you know, he's done that with Easy Goer. He's done that with a horse named Paul Russ uh Fiffer Queen, Queen and that's going back in the day uh to a lot of you people that might have recalled those horses. But all Shook's horses come from off the pace and they finish very well. So um Shug should do good in that one. And um I think Todd should do good. So you're looking at a, a nice little exacta there. Um, they won't be the favorites but they'll be right there. And then in the tenth race we have the Fred Hooper Stakes. Um Presented by Hillendale Farms, uh, it's a Grade Three post time. It's 4:12 Eastern Time. It's $150,000 for four-year-olds and up uh, going one mile. And um, this uh, this is like nowadays the mile is like a sprint to the thoroughbred. Um, you know, this, this is going to be a real nice race. Uh, I, I think it might be the best, most competitive race on the day today. Um again, Todd Pletcher has got another horse in there it's called fearless um it's a nice horse Sayez again is in the irons um with for him, and then he has another horse called liam um uh, Ortiz is in the saddle there and I think these two horses are gonna be the horse to beat especially um when we're talking about uh uh liam uh this liam is one heck of a horse. He, he's a good, 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 good horse. Um, his sire on Liam um, is uh, the horse that I think is probably one of the best horses that I've ever seen in my entire life. It's called Liam's Map. Uh, Liam's Map was a track record setter um, in several races, uh, ran all over the world. Uh, just a fantastic horse. And so I, I'm looking at these two uh, because they're stable mates. And they, they work them, they haven't worked them together yet. But, um, and that, that tells me a lot that they think that they can get, the talk can get to the finish line with uh, either one of these two or both of them. So we're looking at, uh, number one, the fearless and number six, Liam with Ortiz and Sayez and the Irons. And that's going to be some good, good racing there, my friends. So be sure that you tune in on Saturday to, um, IENTV.org. And you can, see, uh, you can see these races uh, live on America's Best Racing uh, on our network. And then um, the, the, the one race that, that I'm just really dead set on, it's called the World. It's called Race 11. It's the Pegasus World Cup uh, Turf Invitational. Again, it's an invitational and it's by invite only. And everything. And so when you get invited to races like this, this is when you really start to think of, you know, what all is going on. Um, this is a million dollar race. Um, it's a grade one. Uh, it's going, a, a, a mile and one eighth on the turf. The rail is at 55 feet. So when they got it out there, they're, they're anticipating that they might be spreading out quite a bit across the track. And so they've got the rail out at 55 feet, so you've got good turf all the way around. And, um, again, I uh, would go back to uh, another Liam's Map uh, horse that we have here. And I'm excited about this again because I think Todd's going to have a good day today. Uh, this horse is called Colonel Liam. Uh, he's a five-year-old horse, Ortiz in the irons with Todd Pletcher, train, And I, I think that this race is going to set up just right for him. Uh, a mile and an eighth is perfect for him. Uh, I think that you will see this horse on the lead and then he's going to be hard to catch, uh, in this one. Uh, it's just amazing how good he is. And then, um, there, there's a horse here that, uh, uh, I like uh, also from Todd. Uh, it's a, it's called Never Surprise. He's a four-year-old colt, and he's come around. He, he's gotten better as he gotten older and, uh, it, it's a nice horse. It's owned by Live Oak Plantation. Um, he's a nice uh, Kentucky bred horse. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he does uh, in, in this race. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, I'm ready to go here, guys, with this one. I think it's going to be good. And then the big horse, and I'm okay with all of them today. I'm okay with all of them. Then we have the $3 million race for four-year-olds and up, it's going a mile and an eighth on the dirt. It's the Pegasus World Cup Invitational States. Again, it's an invitational race, and it's going good. Uh, they invite some of the best horses in the world. And let me tell you something, my friend. This race is going to be a hard-fought race. We have uh, Brad Cox has Knicks to go, which is a horse of the year. That's a Maryland-bred horse. It's got Rosario in the saddle. And, I mean, he is a monster of a horse. If you take that horse down, you're going to be, uh, you know, in tall cotton as far as the horse industry is concerned. Then we have uh, what I was going to be calling a co-favorite is uh, Todd Pletcher, again, has Ortiz in the saddle for Life is Good. And these two horses are just unbelievable horses. Um You might see them leave this field just in the dust. Uh The way I look at it, uh, there's just these two horses that that are there. Um, it's going to be uh, amazing to watch this race. Uh, the post time for this is 534 Eastern time. It's um, a great race. It's going a mile and an eighth on the dirt. It's $3 million for uh, four-year-olds and up. And I, I think today, uh, Saturday is going to be Todd Pletcher Day at Gulfstream. Uh, the, he's got uh, quite a few horses running on the card that day, and I've seen them all work, and they're ready to go. And um, Todd's done an excellent job with him, and he couldn't be in any, any better position than he is now. And then on, a, on another note from the Pleasure Barn, a horse that I have part of a syndication in is called Ironworks. Uh He went his first time out at Gulfstream going six foot longs. He went 109 flat, and um Saez never touched him with the whip, and he was really good to go. Um, you know, so we're excited about that. And then I get the news that, uh, Todd has nominated him for the Swale Stakes coming up and he's nominated him for the Holy Bull. And depending on his works, we'll see which one he goes in and then maybe the Florida Derby and then maybe the Kentucky Derby. So, um, you know, we're excited about that. And now, um, we're going to move forward here on the program. Um, we have Trish that's going to be with us. And she's going to talk to us about identifying horses through freeze brands and tattoos and, and the advantage of uh, uh, the freeze brand for the standard bred horse. And uh, what her uh, uh, project is, is to get all the horses freeze brand. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about microchips. And uh, Trish, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much, Scott. I'm Trish Solsky and I am a United States Trotting Association member a standard bred horse owner i have homebreds and i also have had my trainer's license and worked in pr and marketing at many racetracks across america from the no longer existence hollywood park and <laughs> all the way to maryland <laughs> and everything in between
1: yeah well trish what we're trying to do uh, after talking to you a few times out here at sunshine meadows um you know we uh, uh it was very interesting what you were telling me about the freeze branding and and you're, and they're wanting to go to the microchip, uh, and and I, I always like the freeze branding because there's a, a lot of uh, uh, things that are, are good about it. You can see them out in the pasture. Uh, it, it's probably the most secure thing that I've ever seen, you know, for horses. So, uh, what are exactly are your goals with the freeze branding and the microchip?
2: Well, currently, the United States Trotting Association has a mandate in place that with the fo- began with the falls of 2019 that all horses had to have a microchip in order to register and race. They also went back, and instead of grandfathering in the aged horses that were freeze-branded, they, in essence, forced them, even though they had lifetime eligibilities in place, that those would be null and void if by January 1st of this year all aged horses that were going to be entered in the box to race must have a microchip. Now, my problem and what I am doing, I am a co-sponsor on a rule change proposals that actually brings the United States Trotting Association in line with their current rule. They have overridden their rule by issuing the mandate that they did that required microchips to be the only required ID. You can still have a freeze brand if requested, but you have to have an upcharge, which was already included at one time in the registration fee. But that's a whole other issue. My point is I'm not against microchips. None of us are against microchips. Technology just has to catch up to where it covers all the bases. So right now we believe that our horses need to continue to have the freeze brand for one of the most important things you pointed out is that it is a visible ID as opposed to an invisible ID, that you have to know a horse has one in them, and you must have a scanner, et cetera, in order to identify the horse and go to a database and find out who it is. With the freeze brand, you can look across a sea of horses or a crowded uh, pen or whatever they might be, in, and you can identify those five uh, characters of number-letter combination that indicate this horse is a standard bread. And you can see it from a distance. In fact, I will say one thing before I let you comment again, is that they have said um, all along that, you know, in a way, perhaps it's a deterrent to adoption, but uh, the numbers prove otherwise. And in fact, for many, the freeze brand is even a point of pride and distinction now that they're being used uh, when we find them so frequently after life on the track, track and dressage and endurance competitions, et cetera. To cite a Texas A&M study, I quote, freeze branding can be done on horses of any age. It appears to be relatively painless and does not scar or damage the horse's hide. The brand is legible, permanent, and difficult to alter. It can be seen from a distance.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, that that was the thing that I liked about it because uh, as many horses as I've shipped over the years, uh, when you go to an ag station and the... Um, you know, the ag people have to get up in there and look. It's hard to get in to scan them uh, because the scan, from my understanding, doesn't last that long. Uh, you know, you can actually eyeball them and, and see the brands on them, and that's good. And then the other thing that I was wanting to ask you is this fee for the microchip, is that incorporated into the USTA um, registration fee, or do you have to pay that separate?
2: No. Originally, our fee for freeze branding and the DNA sampling uh, for our horses to register and race was $140. When they planned on introducing the chip, they added $10 to the registration fee, making it 150 But then the mandate came out, and then it only covered, the $150 only covered getting the chip, even though they had added $10. Um, and it would be the technician doing both at the same time, which is also doesn't really make sense. But they never took out the uh, <laughs> The choice was taken away, but the cost remained is what I'm trying to say uh, They'd already right. had the freeze brand included in the price of registration, but they never took that back out once they added $10 when they started microchipping now they say yeah. you can have the freeze brand, but you have to let them know well in advance and you have to uh, pay $40 extra Per horse on top of the hundred and fifty dollars. The problem is, if you know horsemen and especially big breeding farms, and everybody's always conscientious about the bottom line and making a profit, that is a big deterrent and discouragement. Uh, some people simply can't afford it, and maybe those that could say it takes away from their from their profit. So what has happened right. is, although there was a crop, maybe of. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the number of last year's foals, but they said out of um, last year's foals that 2,600 people, I believe, decided to pay the extra $40 and get a freeze brand. But that left about 70% of the foal crop without a visible ID, which puts them in a very vulnerable situation. And that is not just – I mean, that's throughout the whole life. On track? It can be a mistake in identity. You can have a loose horse, not know who it belonged to because not everybody has gone out and purchased a scanner, which is not inexpensive either. Um, and the right. microchip, once you do scan it, you have to be six inches away from the neck. If you have a, a horse that's running around loose and, you know, maybe you can catch as he goes by some of the numbers. Or <laughs> even if you catch him and put him in a stall, if you don't have a scanner to find out who it is, it you know, that horse is just 15 numbers. If you have a scanner, then you have to know which database to go to. And if somebody, if it wasn't in the standard bred community, no one would even need to know or would know where to go, what database to use to find out who it is. And it doesn't even, um, the 15 numbers aren't even breed specific. It could be, it's the same as they use, like the Home Again chip for cats and dogs.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I was just thinking about this. Uh, Last year, Tony Alanya had 160 standard breads here with us. And, um, you know, with the microchip microchip and and so forth, um, you know, he would have to have multiple uh, scanners. And the last time I looked, the scanner was about $375. And then you've got to have personnel that can read them and, you know, that can hold the horse steady and read them. And and to go through 160 horses would be kind of a, you know, a full-time job, you know. Yes,
2: that is uh, the exact point that you are bringing up about who has them and all that, um, there is a group, um, an organization called stolen horse international. It was founded by a lady named Debbie Metcalf, who they had a fam- oh, a family horse that was stolen out of their backyard. So to speak, many years ago, and she found out how hard it was to track a horse. So she actually did two years later, luckily it hadn't gone by the way of the slaughter pipeline. Um, but she, they were able to locate their family horse, and they were able to prove that they were the owners, but she said a microchip because of having data on it can improve ownership, but she does not recommend microchip only. Stolen Horse yeah. International, also known as Net Posse ID, says the microchip is only valuable if you have the visible ID because the visible ID that will help you find the horse, because people, especially non-horses, people, if you say, okay, I've got this uh, bay horse, it has a a snip or a small blaze, Um, the left hind foot, you know, has some white on it, whatever, they wouldn't know one from another anyway, where if you have a freeze brand, they can quickly look and say, that's the horse that's missing, that's the horse, and it was used uh, in a very sad but great story that's how the freeze brand is so much more important than a microchip, was there was a major barn fire in Canada. And a woman posted on this issue that had she not had freeze brands, it would have put her in a terrible position. She had horses that were some in peril and needed to be euthanized, some that could possibly be saved. And she had to call all the owners because these horses were in agony. If she would have had to try to locate a microchip, write down 15 numbers with each horse that only stays on, the microchip number only stays on 90 seconds, and then run to a database, she had her phone, she looked at the freeze brand, put in the numbers, got right away who it was, so she could contact owners and say, "Do you will you require vet? Will you allow me to have vet treatment for this horse, or do you want the horse to be euthanized? What do you want?" She said over and over again. If it had just been a microchip protecting that horse, it would have been a terrible fail. In this way, right. she was able to well, save you, some horses and get others humanely euthanized quickly. Yeah.
1: Well, you know the thing that I like about the freeze brand. And, and, um, there are things that I do like about the micro, microchip, but the freeze ran, I like, and, and you know, uh, from past experiences, how many stories that you've heard about a farm and a fence gets broken down and horses get to running around loose, you know, in the community mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. outside the farm. You don't have to be a horse person or an expert to write down those numbers. You know, no, uh, a passing you, you person could write that need. down and, right. You wouldn't know if it happened
2: even if you had a scanner.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, the other thing is, is about the scanner that that, uh, are, that I don't like is uh, that I don't know if there's enough data out there to know if that microwave chip moves, if it's put in the same spot on every horse. You know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered yeah. about these microwave chips, you know, and, <laughs> well, I, and I would in. like to know.
2: Mm There have already been problems, Scott, that have arisen with these chips, and we could cite what they might say anecdotal cases all day long. Um, A girl that I know from Indiana presented her horse for a blood gas test and found out it had two chips, one on each side of the neck, one which was, I I think it was, or was that the girl in Pennsylvania? But anyway, one of them had Mm -hmm. to go to the blood gas, and it had two chips, and she didn't know it had two chips. One was on one side of the neck, one on the other, and then one of them... Properly identified her horse. The other one was useless. It wasn't, um, you know, right. And then the other thing is, they do move. I know they say that they're in an anti-migrational sheath, but that Mm -hmm. only is good if I guess it is very properly placed. And apparently, many are not because I was just talking to Tony Alanya's mom back in the barn area, and she told me about ones that she's had that the chips have moved and they're hard to find. Um, The thing of Mm -hmm. it is, they're supposed to be inserted in the neutral ligament with an anti-migrational sheath. And that's supposed to stop it. But it's also been linked, um, according to a veterinarian study that I saw, that because it's a foreign body and you're putting it in that muscle, it acts as it's a it's a foreign object in the body. And there have been some incidences where the body tries to encapsulate it and then it causes cancer at the sheath site. And, um, you know, let's not forget it is injection into the body of a permanent foreign substance and the other part i'll right. say is again i'm not against having both but right now the technology that the chip gives us is not enough it's not going to locate your horse it's not going to do anything but give you 15 numbers in our case we're using the Merck home again chip 15 numbers it doesn't identify even the breed of horse it is people have to know it's there and they have to have a scanner and able to make it useful at all and yeah. it doesn't give you enough information. If you know what database to go to, after you have written down the 15 numbers, yes, you will find out the owner right. and the breeder and who, you know, the name of the horse and the year it was fold, et cetera. But you have to know what you're doing. And not that many people, right. even within the harness industry, are all going to run out and get scanners. It, it's right. a big upcharge. Once the freeze brand is in place, it protects the horse and it does not require any cost going forward.
1: Right. At what age do they put these microchips in?
2: They're putting them in when they're sucklings and weanlings. And that's another mm-hmm. point. I don't know how much due diligence was done because there are so many companies coming out because of the technology. And as you all know, technology gets old very quickly as uh, new companies have new features, et cetera, et cetera, and the software changes, and there's subscription prices, and a whole bunch of things associated with anything that has technology. In this case, I was doing some research yesterday and found that there is an equine-approved mini microchip uh, by a company <laughs> that USDA NERCA-approved, and is also approved by the American Association of Equine Practici- Practitioners. Yeah. It is half the size of what we have, and has a smaller gauge needle. To insert, which would seem a lot more humane to me, when you're uh, definitely chipping tiny little babies.
1: Right, right. Well, well, Trish, let me ask you this before we get out of here: How can we get a hold of you, and what can our listeners and equestrians do to help you? Because the way I see it is with the microchip coming to the uh, already coming to the thoroughbreds and the show horses and everything. You know, this is ground. You know, uh, you're building a foundation. It could possibly be used for all breeds that have a microwave chip. So how do we contact you, and what can we do to help
2: you? Well, what you can do is you contact the United States Trotting Association. Uh, Their headquarters are in Columbus, Ohio. If you go on their website, you will see, if you go to the left-hand column and say USTA, you'll see a place where you click on Directors, and it tells you the top people at the USTA. It'll also give you a phone number and an email for each one of them, and you can tell them that you have been, uh, you are now aware that they have uh, had a push to phase out freeze brands entirely, but you believe that the horses need both. And uh, mm-hmm. as far as that goes, if you want to contact me for any information, you can contact me on my Facebook page by get, sending me a message. I'll be happy to give you any information you need or any um, you know material that you might be able to use. I have. A video from the the winningest harness driver ever in our history. He's almost at 20,000 driving wins, Dave Pallone, uh, who uh, practices most of his racing. He, he's at home in Pennsylvania at the Meadows, but he has been all over, Meadowlands, whatever. But Dave Pallone is uh, the sport's winningest driver, a great human being, and a very accomplished professional. And he did a video for our cause saying, you know, I owe everything to these horses, and I want them to have the protection of both the Freeze brand mm. and the microchip. Mm. So contact mm. me through Facebook on Messenger. It's Trish Soulsby. Okay. S-O, you've got to get it, S-O-U-L, S-B-Y, B is in boy okay. Y, Soulsby. And is
1: that video on YouTube?
2: Uh, that video is on YouTube on my YouTube channel, Trish Soulsby. Okay. It has the Dave Pallone video, and it has another one saved by a freeze brand, which is an emotional one okay. about how many horses get saved by seeing that five white hairs on the right side of their neck.
1: Well, what I'll do is I'll put that on our Equestrian of the Week on our website, and then that way people can go to it and they can see it, um, you that know, a uh, the video. We'll, we'll be glad to do that. Uh, Trish, I really appreciate you coming to me and, and telling me all these things because this is what we're about here at International Equine Network. It's making the uh, the horsemen and the public aware of these things and uh, keep us posted on getting this uh, rule changed and uh, let us know. And um, you're welcome to call us anytime.
2: Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. Thank Have
1: you. a great day. Okay, Bye. you too. Now
2: good racing, everyone.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, folks, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. I really appreciate Trish calling us because that's an important thing that uh, they need to do. Uh, it protects the uh, integrity of the horse industry. And uh, so she's got a great cause there, and we'll try to help her as much as we can. Uh, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to go to what they call uh, a seg- our segment on that um, uh, we're going to do here. And we are actually uh, have the uh, rider that's uh, here from Sunshine Meadows, Um She's a show rider and uh she got involved with the Thoroughbred Incentive program. Uh, what that is, is it takes uh racehorses off the racetrack to take them and show. And the the great thing about about it is is it gives them a second life. Um yeah. they're just not thrown on a shelf or sent to a kill pen or you know, they're they're taken very, very good care of. And uh, we're going to be talking with a a rider here that just got into the program about two months ago. And um, I've been watching her horse out here, and she's doing a good job with it. But um, the story that I'm getting ready to tell you now is just unbelievable, and it shows you what can be done with horses after they've uh, had their racing career, whether it's quarter horse racing or or, um, standard bred racing. In particular, this is show horses. Uh, This is Stirlbridge for the show horses. And and the name of the horse is called For the Moment. It says, um, Superstar Michael Mack, and legendary horse, For the Moment, were inducted into the Show Jumping Hall of Fame on April 1st. (laughs) Excuse me there. Uh, This was in um, April 5th, 2006. The Show Jumping Hall of Fame conducted an annual induction ceremony during the intermission at the Budweiser American Invitational uh, on April 1st at Raymond J Stadiums in Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, rider Michael Matz and the legendary horse for the moment, uh, were inducted in, during the ceremony. This, this horse for the moment was an amazing horse. He was just unbelievable. Um, it, it, it was just, you know, uh, his, his destiny. It says, uh, for the moment, uh, became one of the most successful American thoroughbreds ever to compete. More um, more than holding his own against European warmbloods, warm-bloods he was undistinguished by uh, Bay Gelding in 1981 for Joaquin, partnered with him as a temporary project until something better came along. So they started him out show jumping. In 1987, Uh, For the moment, and Joaquin helped the U.S. team to silver medal in the Pan American Games and won six grand Prix events and placed third in the FEI World Cup Finals in Paris. Just unbelievable, this horse in the show ring. The highlight of his career, for the moment, helped the U.S. team to win silver medal at the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, Korea. In 1991, for the moment, was the American Grand Prix Association, AGA, uh, horse of the year, and a year later, he and, uh, and Joaquin earned a spot in the Barcelona Olympic Games in 1994. He again the AGA Horse of the Year. He became the oldest horse ever to win win in a show jumping Grand Prix when he won the Budweiser Show Jumping Championship at Wellington, Florida, at the age of 21. It's just phenomenal what he did. Bats of Collegeville, PA. Is a three-time Olympian and four-time Pan American Games veteran. He won the U.S. Show Jumping Championship, uh, recorded six times, and first uh, first represented in the United States in international competition in 1973. He competed in the 19 competed in the 1976 Montreal Games, in the 1992 Barcelona Games, and the 1996 Olympic Games, winning team silver. And medal in, in Atlanta, um, you know it's just amazing what Mike did with his horse. Uh, Mike won the Pan American Games medals, including five gold, and rode in three World Championships where he won team gold medal in 1986, as well as team and individual bronze medals in 1978, in 1981 and 84. He was was the AGA Rider of the Year. Matt's also a two time AGA Show Jumping Champion in 91 and 92. So Michael Mats, to just to give you a, a, a little insight on Mike, um, Mike also had Union Rags, the Kentucky Derby winner, and he also had Barbaro, which is probably one of the most famous horses uh, to ever run because uh, he injured himself in the Preakness. And uh, in the Preakness, he, he uh, was taken to the uh, uh, University of Pennsylvania uh for surgery and he he it was it was a day to day thing every day on the news people were wanting to know how Barbaro was doing. So the point that I'm getting at here is that uh in the thoroughbred industry and now in the show horse and uh, the, the standardbred industry, these horses are being repurposed. Uh they they're having a, another career that they're doing and I mean it is just unbelievable on what they're doing with these horses that are coming off the track. Some of them make it. Some of them don't like show jumping, but for the most part, they all like it and they enjoy it. And, um, just to give you a, a little bit about the specialty awards, um, we have here. The oldest server had registered, uh, was Banners Rascal. Um, show name was Cool Bones. He was, uh, 27 years old. Uh, just unbelievable it was the oldest thoroughbred to, to compete in the in the TEP program. The youngest stir bread, uh was Night Mission. Uh, Night Mission was a two year old, and uh, he, he, you know he, he just really adjusted to it. And for a young horse like that to go into to the show industry, um, you know, and being so young, he's you know he doesn't even know what's going on. And then next thing you know, he's off the racetrack and he's into the show ring. And he's doing very well, and he's catching everybody's eye. eyes. Uh, the most recently raced horse they had was Jammin' and Jamie. And uh, Jammin' Jamie um, uh, raced, uh, his last race was uh, 628 of 21 at Parks Racetrack. And um, now he's out, and he's uh, uh, being a competitive show horse and doing very well. You know what he's doing. He's coming along great. Uh, the most money earned uh, was um, two-notch road. Uh, Two notch road um, had um, five hundred thirty six thousand uh, dollars earned, and um, he he was a, a fantastic horse on the racetrack, and you know he he made money, and now he's you know doing the same thing uh, in the show industry. Uh, the most starts was uh, nephew's best, and he had seventy nine starts, and um, you know so he he spent a long time on the track, and he came off and he was ready to ready to roll. Uh, there, the highest price uh, horse at auction uh, was Radiant Child from Ireland. Uh, Radiant Child uh, was sold um, uh, in the Duval uh, August Yearling Sales in 2018. He brought four hundred fifty-seven thousand uh, dollars as a price, and so um, it-, it was really uh, really good. Uh, uh, we have um, entries from twenty-three different states. Um, And and just to show you how these off-the-track thoroughbreds have entered the TIP program, um, state-by-state, South Carolina has 41 horses participating. Virginia has 37, Georgia 25, Florida 22, PA 15, Maryland 11, Kentucky 9, North Carolina 8, Louisiana 6, New Jersey 4, Alabama 3, and Arkansas uh, 3. We also have Kansas, it has two, Massachusetts, two, Washington, two, Connecticut has one, Delaware has one, Iowa has one, Illinois, New York, Ohio, uh, Tennessee, and Washington all have one. But uh, those those statistics have changed here uh, recently because a lot more people uh, are getting into it. And, and like our friend that will be coming on here in just a few minutes, um, she is really good uh, with the horses, and she just found out about it, and so she got involved and active in it, and so, you know, it's really uh, it's really good. It not only helps our sport, but it helps them get a good quality horse, you know, that's ready to go. And uh, we'll talk to her a little bit about uh, where she found it and how she found it and, you know, just how, how long uh, Mr. Devers, or the name of her horse, is doing. Um, you know, it's just unbelievable here hear what they're doing in the tip program. Uh, for example, at the end of the year, they have the Overall High Points Award. They have Eventing and Combined Training Award. They have Dressage, English Pleasure. They have Hunters, Jumpers, Western in Hand, and Polo. And other awards are other classes that they are creating now that are coming out. So it's kind of exciting to see, you know, that they can get out and compete, uh, you know, against other thoroughbreds that have been on the track and how they come off of of the, uh, um, you know, the the different facilities where they rehab at. And so um, that's what we were excited about, uh, you know, to see these horses. And I'm lucky because we've got four or five here uh, now at Sunshine Meadows, and uh, I get to see them every day, and I get to see them progress. Um, and, And me being a thoroughbred man all my life, I see the night and day difference between what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, the 22 uh 2022 show information the western championships at the 2022 grade makeover october 12th through the 15th on the um, uh this year the kentucky horse park in lexington is where that will be held uh, barrel racing western pleasure um, western halter ranch riding western dressage and competitive trials um, will also be at the lexington horse park on the 12th to the 15th the um, Central Region Jashad Championships will also be there at uh, the Thoroughbred Makeover at the Kentucky Horse Park. And we have other dates and uh, other uh, things that will be coming soon. So we're kind of excited about that, you know, to see that coming along. And it gives um, the people something to shoot at. And uh, granted, for years, the Thoroughbred hasn't been a real um, other than for the moment. It's not been a real challenge to the show horse industry uh, because they've just never had the background to do it. But now we have people um, that, are, that are coming in and they're actually uh, doing the things that uh, need to be done to get them there. And what's really nice about it is the tip programs offers all kind of uh, you know incentives for them uh, you know to do, a um, so qualifying and declaring for the championships. To qualify for the championships, a uh, TIP eligible uh, TBHSI uh, Thoroughbred must be one, uh, must be a Thoroughbred want to participate in an offering of the TIP High Points Awards uh, classes or divisions beginning August 1st through 2021 through the de- declaration closing date for the acceptable discipline. This includes uh, the 2021 TIP Championships. Uh, so they've got a lot of things to okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking to everybody out here. I got so much going on out here. I'm okay and everything. Done it. So call me and ask me what, what you want. Um, now we have uh, Brittany on the on the phone. Uh, she's stabled here at Sunshine Meadows, and she has a um, uh, thoroughbred uh, involved in the tip program. His name is Mister Devers. Brittany, welcome to the show.
0: Hi. How you doing?
1: Good. Good. How's Mister Devers doing today?
0: He's doing great.
1: Good, good. How did you get involved with the TIP program, and and what do you think of it so far?
0: So I heard about the TIP program actually from you, which I had Uh no idea about it at all before, and I looked into it, and I'm very interested in it because, as you well know, it encourages the retraining of thoroughbreds into different disciples as what I'm trying to do with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how has he adjusted to the show, show horse industry? Uh, you know, horses come off the track usually they're pretty high strung. And, and where did you get him from?
0: So I got him from a farm called Yellow Pine Farm in Ohio. And it, they take horses directly off the track and, you know, let them be horses for a period of time. And then, you know, lightly restart them to get them sold to people like me that want thoroughbreds and are interested in, you know, getting them into a different world than what they're used to. So now what then, discipl-
1: what discipl- what discipline are you pointing for? Dressage, uh hunter jumper? Um uh,
0: Hunter jumper. I would prefer hunter but he we're not there yet, so I don't know if I can get him there. <laughs> but if it's a jumper then that's fine with me too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he made the transition from uh, from the uh, uh, owners that you got him from to Sunshine Meadows pretty good, did he?
0: He said he had a very long trip to get to me. It was about thirty six hours, so it took him a couple days to get him to calm down and you know realize that I'm I'm his owner and I'm here not to hurt him. And um, he was very full of anxiety when I got him and you know he wouldn't let me near certain parts of his body and he just needed to build some trust with me which we've been doing you know I've only had him about three months so it's been a work in progress but he's doing really well
1: well that's good to hear uh, now one of the things that I was wanting to ask you about him um, you know uh, when you when you go out to the to the rings with him um, is he okay with other horses being around him and jumping? And you know, are, are you pretty limited into uh, the, the horses that are in the arena with him?
0: No, he doesn't seem to be bothered by the other horses in the arenas. Um, he does get a little bit alerted to the horses on the track, but it might just be because it brings up old feelings within him um uh-huh. but it it doesn't distract them too much
1: yeah uh you know the the other thing that uh i noticed when you turned him out the other day here i'm used to the thoroughbreds when they get turned out they're running and bucking and jumping and uh, i noticed when you turned him out and went into the paddock with him he was just like uh really taking a good look at everything and saw a white horse walking across to the arena and he was fixed on that and and um you were actually running faster than he was in the paddock, so uh you know I like to see <laughs> things like that happen and and you know in, in the business now what what is your experience How long have you been riding
0: I've been riding since I was nine um, and he is actually my first green adult horse, so it's, it's definitely different than when I was younger and I didn't have all the responsibility that I do now. Um, but it's a great yeah. learning experience for me, for sure.
1: So, so you're a trainer, coach, owner, groom? All
0: uh, of it. <laughs> all
1: of it you know, and everything. Now, uh, how long do you think it will be before you show him?
0: Um, I was hoping just to see how he is. Possibly in April, to just get him to the grounds and see if he's ready to take on a you know just an equitation class or something um, not to to not to force him into too fast you know um, right. if it doesn't work out in April, then you know we'll we'll try for the fall
1: right well one thing you know one thing I like about here at Sunshine Meadows is you're around a lot of other horses and and, you know, around a lot of other people, you know, that that can help them get along and all like that. And, and people, I don't think, um, you know, the, that view, the horse industry, they don't see it, uh, you know, like, like we live it. Uh, they see it like, uh, at the shows on Saturdays and at the races on Saturdays and think that that's all there is to it. Um, it's going to be a long process and, uh, I think maybe you you might end up with a horse like for the moment and be one of the greatest thoroughbreds ever to show jump. And you'll be having gold medals dangling around your neck and everything because he's a nice looking horse, you know, and Thank he's you. got a lot of class time. And he's got a lot of real class time and everything. So, uh, uh, now, have you had any yeah. other riders on him or just you? I'm.
0: Um. The trainer over here that I'm with, I'm with Laura Lane Farm over here at Sunshine Meadows, and um, she's been on him a few times for me. And you know, she says the same thing that you said. Got a good, got a good horse. He's got a great brain. Um, we just need to, you know, get him to use it in the right ways, and then he's gonna be a star. So
1: yeah,
0: I'm you excited. got that right.
1: Yeah. Uh, How often do you train him? Is it every day or like the thoroughbreds with a day off or, uh, you know, how how do you do that?
0: I am with him every single day, whether it's in the ring training him or it's just me walking around the property or me not even on him and just walking him around. I try to be with him every day.
1: Yeah. yeah. Have you had any setbacks or problems yet with him? Uh, you know, as he made the adjustment from uh, the trip from Ohio to, uh, you know, to Sunshine Meadows?
0: So I actually did have a little bit of a setback. I unfortunately got COVID about um, five weeks into having him, and then I wasn't able to come out and be with him the way that I have been. So mm-hmm. I realized after eight days of not being with him, even though he was being taken care of, uh, we started back To day one, pretty much. So that was really my only setback from, you know, since the time I've had him, but we're back on the right track, and hopefully it just goes, you know, better and better every day from here on out.
1: What what was his name on the racetrack? I can't remember.
0: His name was Happy-Go-Lucky, and he came from some pretty good bloodlines as well.
1: Yeah, well, you know what I like about that name is he is happy-go-lucky. So whoever named him, they named him right, you know, because uh, he's good. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be seeing him in, in some uh, some Wellington shows and some New York shows. Are you going to travel with him if he gets good?
0: If he gets good, I don't mind doing some traveling with him, So we'll see.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I tell you what, I'm glad that you got into the TIP program. Uh, it's a good program. we need more people in the tip program like yourself that's um you know that's uh dedicated to the program and to and to uh you know, all the things that they're doing um, he couldn't have a better owner than you because i 've seen how you treat him and and how you work with him and everything and so you know glad to have you in the tip program and you know we'll keep tabs Thank on you and keep following up with you and be sure to let us know in April. Um, you know, uh, how he's going and if he's going to be showing. And, um, you know, we'll just go from there.
0: All right. That sounds good. I look forward to uh, catching you up and in the future with him.
1: <laughs> okay. Thanks for calling in. And um, one of these days we'll come out and get some video of him so we can get him up on our website and everything. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll put him on our Equestrian of the Week segment on our website and see if we can uh, – uh, getting to that blue ribbon.
0: All right. That sounds good.
1: Uh, okay. Thanks a lot, Brittany.
0: All right. Anytime, Scott. Thank you.
1: Uh, you're welcome. Well, folks, I tell you what, we're getting close to the end of our show here, but just remember um, this weekend we have the Pegasus uh, down in uh, uh, Gulfstream Park. We have the Southwest at uh, Oakline Park in Hot Springs. And uh, we're getting heavy duty into the, you know, to the Derby season. Um, like I said, Todd Pletcher's got a multitude of horses running this weekend. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does. And um, you know, I'm telling you, it's going to be it's going to be a race. And the one horse that I think might be uh, his his ticket to Horse of the Year uh, is going to be running this weekend. And, of course, Todd's got quite a few of the good ones that, that are running, you know, at, at Gulfstream. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. But Life is Good is the name of the horse. Um, you know, he'll be racing in the 12th race at Gulfstream. It's a grade one, uh, $3 million, uh, going a mile and an eighth. And uh, Life is Good is right there. Uh, but next to go is Horse of the Year. So, um He's horse of the year, and morning line on him was 6 to 5, and um, Life is Good is also a good horse, and uh, he was at 7 to 5, so it's a flip of the coin who, who the best is. And uh, we're going to see uh, Saturday on the 29th. Um, we'd like to uh, invite you to come down and visit uh, Sunshine Meadows Equestrian Village, um, Palm Beach Downs uh, Thoroughbred Training Facility, and Delray Equestrian, uh, come on down and, and visit. Uh, I'll be here all the time. And then our general manager of all three places is Brandon Mills. Um, he's a great horseman. Um, he, he's an ex-rodeo guy, uh, comes from a rodeo family and he knows the business inside and out and he, he can help you with any questions you might have. But, um, give Brandon a call at 561-901-0725. Well, you can call me at 561 466 And we look forward to, um, next week and, do uh, no well, we'll, we'll have all the results from Saturday on the 29th. Uh, we'll have all that, uh, ready to go. Uh, but you know how good we were if we knew what we were talking about or if we were just blowing smoke out the radio airways. Uh, this is Scott Miller, uh, coming to you from Sunshine Metals. Equestrian Village in Delray Beach, Florida. Looking forward to talking to you next week at 1 o'clock Eastern Time on BBS Radio and your local podcast stations.